uh, up in Idaho? Uh, you know, good. It's, uh, you watch the world on fire, however you define that. And you sit, as you know, in these rural communities and it's like, what the, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's something I've been thinking about. Well, as I now know that you are as well, it's just like, how do we, how do we approach this from these, like these rural communities, these predominantly Caucasian communities yeah. and how do we show support and how do we, how do we deal yeah. with, uh, I'm not racist, but. Exactly. All lives, uh, the all lives matter statement. Just like, Oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. We all know that. God. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. You know, it was funny. I was visiting with uh, Ben, Benjamin Gonzalez the other day. And as he and I were visiting, I stole a quote from him that's going to pop up here and there in my writings and other podcast materials. It just, because he said, just remember, man, we have the storytellers. They don't stand a chance. And I went, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. How true is that? You step yeah. back and you, you look at us as, as storytellers, as art makers and and how often theater or visual media, visual arts, I mean, even at this point in, in our society, video game design and music, and yeah. how many times those have been stomped down into nothing and keep coming right back and how many things haven't. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like I have the right to tell certain stories uh, unless asked. Um, but it's been interesting. I, 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 uh, at one point I was prompted a few years ago, I was prompted to write a play from a, from a white person's perspective, watching a, a police encounter go down and not, you know, someone who had, who was in the all lives matter camp, um, and, and, and circumstances gave her a chance to watch, watch the reality of those interactions happen. And uh, I, I think it tells that story. It, it's interesting. I, I, um, I had forgotten almost that I had written it and then came back to it the other day. And um, it's really in, uh, I'm glad that I, glad that I was able to write it. I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting play. I don't envy you being asked to do that, to write a, sh a, a play like that. And it's, I, yeah. especially with what's going on right now is like, wow, how, my visceral response to that is, is this, is that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Process, yeah, process, process. Yeah. Let me, I'll send you a link to it in case you're okay. interested. It's, short, it's a short play. So. Well, what do you say we talk inappropriate status updates? Yeah. Let's. Nathaniel Quinn, the uh, producing director for Wolverine Theatrics, which is producing Wolverine Reads. Uh, I'm visiting today with David Harlan, the playwright for Inappropriate Status Updates. Uh, you have graced us with the opportunity to use your script as our first podcast, uh, our first reading script of this series uh, of podcasts celebrating new plays. Um, so I want to first of all thank you for that. It was an absolute delight to read this script, to play with this script. 
um, to listen to the words come to life in rehearsals, whether they were uh, over digital media, like we're visiting right now, uh, and the yeah. couple that we got to do face-to-face, -face, which uh, completely changed the dynamic of how some of the reading happened when we could, when we weren't dealing with a lag time. Yeah, I don't um, doubt it. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you guys are doing it. It's, it's, uh, um, you know, I, I love, I love telling stories and um, whatever form. And so it's, it's exciting to, uh, to get a chance to have one of my stories out there. Well, that's gonna, that, that's a great way to do this. Cause my first, my first question, and I think this is going to be one that continues on as I visit more and more with playwrights, is how do you view yourself? How do you view the playwrights in particular as, as a storyteller? Yeah, it's interesting because, of course, as, as you know, but your audience doesn't. I'm, I'm an actor and director, too. Um, but I came to theater initially as a playwright. And um, there's something... Uh, what I learned uh, about, about playwriting as I, as I got deeper and more broadly into theater was that words are the foundation of the story that's told in, a, in this collaborative enterprise. And if I can put down words that spark um, inspiration, in a creative team, um, that story that I that I've started to tell only gets better, uh, and and that's exciting. Um, as a writer, for my whole life, uh, it, it always felt like such a solo endeavor, um, and and telling stories through through fiction and poetry and marketing writing, which was my job for a long time, <laughs> uh, it felt like a, a one-way thing. As I got into playwriting and, and, then, and then into the collaboration of the, uh, of the storytelling enterprise in theater, I, I discovered that it's two-way and it's bigger and it's in this process of putting truly collaborative people in a room with this foundation that I offer as a, as a hope to, uh, to a, 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 a creative team. It's just so rewarding because the story only gets better, bigger, fuller, different from what my initial um, inspiration and thought sure. was. It's, it's so cool. As I continue to do things like this, and I'm going to steal thoughts and ideas, I love that that you you look at your words as a foundation for the story. Um, you know, we we look at how the theater works and what the six what are they the six core elements: plot, character, thought, diction, dial, uh, dialect, theme, and spectacle. I teach this in my uh, storytelling class, and now and I can't remember the elements either. I have. I have an anagram for it to, that I'll tell you a small story about when we're all done with this. And I'll bet you'll never, it's just one of those things that I was like, I don't think I can say this over what I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, but to look at that, you know, as the words as a foundation that all of this is built on, 
is 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 a lovely way to look at that and i think i'm gonna that's gonna be something that i definitely steal from this where i continue to to shape how i direct or how i produce in that way um especially doing this as a podcast where the words are really all we have um, yeah they they are all you have except that even without seeing these actors they still have something in their hearts that mm -hmm. we hear absolutely and, and experience that way so uh well and that, i think that's a uh, that's a big part to to your style in particular of writing at least with this script um is that it's again hearing words as a foundation makes absolute sense because this is something we've talked about in rehearsals a couple of times um, you have elements that are are visual for this show um, as as the two main characters king and alice are preparing to move and and their friends jock and josie are helping yeah. them pack and and the visual elements of that but it's such a dialogue and character driven show that those are things that i hope and and me and i ask you to speak to this a little bit too uh, in in how you write how you chose to write this or how that inspiration came but that uh that the visual element is not the core element of this show, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. it, it totally makes sense. And it, and it, and it's not, and it, we need to be careful. It's okay. There are absolutely appropriate theatrical uh, experiences that are, that are visually driven. And, and I guess I should clarify that as well, is that I'm not speaking against that in any way, shape or form. There are those shows that I'm like, oh, this is, this is the, the visual element is a big part of it. Right. This and, and I'm just, I, I, I was about to make a broader statement that, that I wanted to pull back from before I even said it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, this play, this particular play, um, and, and a lot of what I write, uh, the human, the, the, the characters have to come out through the words. Um, uh, and, and we'll layer, we'll, when we can, we'll layer the, the visual and, and spectacular, that's one of the ones you met, missed, spectacle, yep. uh, the spectacular elements on top of that. But, uh, but I, as I learned playwriting, it, a character can only be truly defined in a script by what they say. And, and, um, and that's what's so much fun about, well, I do a lot of staged readings, which is the next step up from, from what we're doing here, because in staged readings, we can see, we can mm -hmm. see these mm -hmm. folks. Um, but those staged readings always become about the words coming out of characters' mouths. Right. Uh, and so this, this play can absolutely be enhanced by those, spectacle, those spectacular elements, right? But what we're hearing in this podcast is the, the, the barest essence of, of the story enhanced by these actors putting their hearts into these words. Absolutely. I had a couple of thoughts. I, I'm going to come back to another question in a little bit because I want to get through a couple of these other ones first, but it's uh, your response there inspired another 
another question that I hadn't had yet. So thank you. Because I know you, and I'm going to ask this this way, because I know you, you know, we have a, a, a shared heart space for the University of Idaho at Moscow, which has a very Chekhovian influence. Yeah. Um, can you speak to that? And that's something that you and I talked about a little bit. Uh, one of the things that I absolutely love through, through my studies and my education up there and, and is a and gained understanding of Chekhov and how true those people are in all of his shows and how, how tragically funny it all is because everybody wants something massive and nobody ever just says it. Exactly. Um, so how, how does that influence your writing? Uh, how has Chekhov's in particular influenced a lot of your writing, particularly in this yeah. piece? Yeah. Uh, what people say versus what people mean. What does King want throughout this play? At times, he doesn't even know. Um, but what he says at times contradicts what he seems to be doing. What he says at times isn't what he means. Certainly when he's talking to, to Alice, um, he's feeling things that he's repressing, that he's, <laughs> that he's uh, avoiding. When he's talking to Josie, he's saying things that have a surface meaning that underneath are just so full of this desire, this longing, this want, this whatever. And all of that is definitely Chekhovian. You watch these people in, um, uh, in the cherry orchard uh, give up their home uh, you, you watch Gaia and his sister at the end of this play <sighs> saying words that are simple and, and uh, uh, you know, a simple goodbye. And yet, in reality, it's just this tragic uh, loss that they're having to deal with. Mm -hmm. That's on the tragic side. A lot of what they say <laughs> is so funny. And all, of, all four of his major plays are comedies. Right. Um, he calls them that, and yet so much of what happens on the surface is is so dramatic and so sad and so. This is life. This is what humans do. Often they do things. They say things that are are on the surface one thing, but because they're repressing feelings, or or not really sure even what they are feeling. Right the meaning is so much bigger, different, deeper. And, and I'm not, I am in no way Chekhov, but I'm certainly attempting to do some of those things in this play. Um, that's one that uh, we talked about a handful of times in rehearsals. And one of the things that drew me to this piece in particular, um, in addition to knowing you and, and, and knowing what our backgrounds were, but that well that, knowing that, and yeah. knowing Quinn how much of so many of these characters right is from me right I mean, oh there was I, I'm going to get to that in a minute too there's a couple I have a couple of lines that I just absolutely loved and the cast was like we don't understand this I, I know I know <laughs> why is it funny to you it doesn't matter it's funny to me and the playwright and like a dozen other people that will know who wrote this and that's okay you know and eventually we talked about it but 
Um, that was something that we talked about a lot and how uh, the cast shaped their characters. Uh, um, you and I have talked about this. I talked about this with the cast. One of the big things with this project is to try and do these plays, these podcast plays in about a month where we meet for maybe five hours of rehearsal, recording time and, and put that together. And so uh, a lot of the, the, these wonderful, wonderful actors that I'm working with right now uh, the majority of their income comes from musicals and, and that's not, uh, that's not a dig at musicals. That's not, yeah, no. uh, uh, it's, it's a whole different artistic approach to things. And so they were incredibly excited, uh, uh, to know that this was something that they were going to get to sink their teeth into, uh, you know, and, and as we started this project in full, uh, COVID-19 started. And so everybody had a little bit more time at home and we had some time to adjust. Uh, so I hope that we have done justice for you in, in the way that these characters are and the character development has come along. Um, so this, uh, and I told you I was going to cycle back to this. Uh, we've released at this point, and when I'm interviewing you with this, uh, we've released part one of four. I'm trying to break this down into this showdown into four, you know, 20-minute segments. Um, yeah. But have you, have you had a chance to listen to part one? Yeah, I have. So yeah. I get, you know, for us on our end of things, I would love to know what your response is to, to how, how the words sound to you, um, how, how things have come together from our end. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's always exciting for a playwright. Well, it's almost always exciting for a playwright, for most playwrights to hear their words. Um, the only time it's not is when they're not honored in a, in a true way. And I can tell you a funny story about that at some point, but, <laughs> um, but uh, it, clearly my words have been honored and therefore enhanced, honored through, through heart, through, through uh, honesty. Um, it, you mentioned some of the, some of the, um, some of the, the, the things that are truly from me um, that I may hear differently, but again, it, it, as long as they're, they're honoring the words and, and they're truthful at, as I hear it, it's all fine. And, and I'm hearing that. And that's, what's always exciting. I'm hearing that truth. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. That's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump from there. Uh, because I have a question. The cast and I had this question, and I meant to reach out to you earlier, and I just never did. Yeah. You know, like like things happen in our world. Things fall apart. Things move on. Things shift, change. What is the significance of, for you of user four sixty three? Yeah, um, there's a there's a. I I think I wish I remembered exactly. There's a, a geek cred to low low ID numbers, um, the, the, uh, the folks at Microsoft always talked about this idea of their serial numbers being low. And, and I think they do it at Amazon too. Um, and the idea of, if you think about networks, I think that's what I called the, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, being Facebook. Right. The idea of being the 463rd user um, uh, in, in uh, hundreds of millions or, or 
billions sure. of users is, is significant. I don't know, and if this is what you're asking, I don't know. There may have been at the time some idea okay. specifically for 463, the number itself. Uh, I don't remember it if there was, but it's that geek cred. Uh, and remember, uh, you, you, you know this, but your audience doesn't. I come from a deep, deep, deep tech background. Yep. Right? So all of that technical stuff is, is stuff I know well. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's important to me. Well, and that's, that's what I figured with, with uh, 463 and, and that, that, or I guess it's, as I'm looking back through my script, it's 426. Jock keeps saying it's 463 and King keeps uh, correcting yes. him for an even lower number. Of course. Um, <laughs> and it was something just, you know, for you and I, uh, as, as little geek cred as I have for anything, I can remember when Facebook started, I was actually in Boston going to school out there on the East Coast as it transferred out of Boston College and into Boston proper. And I, yeah. I'm sure if I could go back and look in the coding somewhere, my account is in that same bracket of, you know, the early thousands. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Yeah. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, with the, you know, billions and billions of people use it, that is kind of cool. Yeah, huh. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And that's it. That's what it is. So uh, I also am interested to know, uh, and because I think it's important to hear, I mean, of, of all walks for inspiration for a play like this, you know, there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with, and I think that's something for some of our younger listeners uh, as, as our audience continues to grow to hear, you know, yeah, I was commissioned this for a paycheck. And this is where, you know, I went to, and I don't think that's not, I'm not saying that that's the case for you. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to know what your inspiration for writing this play was, if it was uh, a project that came out of something, if it's uh, a relationship that so many of us have had or, or, you know, in one way, shape or form or another. Yeah. So there it's, it, there, there's probably three things combining here. Um, I have, uh, done, I, I've, I've done that move, uh, not on the, the side, uh, of following, but being the person who went, uh, and, and brought a partner with me. Well, that's, that's something new to learn that you and I both have that in common. At the <laughs> yeah. And, and it was not successful. Um, and so, uh, King deciding not to go was, uh, uh, let's see, uh, trying to go back in time and fix a problem. <laughs> the other part of that is, um, the, this idea of, of wondering about that friend and whether that friend could, should, would ever be more than a friend, King and Josie, mm -hmm. is, uh, is something that's, that's happened to me over the years. Um, and what a lovely yeah. character dynamic that you've written in that as well, that it's, that they're so close and so tight knit, 
And there's, I mean, even in the reading, looking at the words on the page and, and how we chose to interpret those from our end, there's not a sexual tension to that. There's not a, I mean, even Jock teasing about it. Oh, who, who did the, the, he sends him a quiz about who he's supposed to marry. Was it Josie? I don't remember. I mean, and that's the end of the, like, just let it go. It doesn't matter. It was lovely. Yeah. And, and that, I'm glad that came across. It's tough. I have spent years, I've spent my whole adult life um, with people telling me I can't have female, female best friends and all of my best, 90% of my, my best friends in my life have always been women. And so that, that expectation is something that I thought and, 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 and it comes in, it, it's been in a lot of my plays. It's just what it is. I, I, it, interesting. You, you uh, yeah, you, you've seen it in 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 the plays you've of mine you've read recently. Um, mm -hmm. It's most prominent in this one, but it's it's there. It's inter it's an interesting dynamic, and and uh, one I'll probably always play with because it's so prevalent in my life. Sure, sure, sure. As it is for for many of us, I'm certain. Yeah. The other interesting inspiration is that, that uh, um, and I think this is what prompt, prompted the conceit, of that, the conceit of that technical journal idea. I've never done that, uh, where, where I've, I've used uh, an online uh, journaling thing to, to, to save my innermost thoughts, but I've always pondered this idea of, of wanting to post these these thoughts <laughs> that you just never do that right. that uh um that specific idea of of that epic bowel movement sorry <laughs> um, is is something that that you know every once in a while you think man i don't i'm not going to share this but boy that right. really made my day right you know, or it, I think it begs the question of, you know, is it is it brave or is it foolish or is it freeing or is it is it, yeah, exactly. you know, all of those things that as as artists, you know, we 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 talk and we strive to do to to leave ourselves open. And I guess for for many people, that would be the the ultimate vulnerability to know that yeah. something like this could happen. And yeah. and, you know, here in this in in. in excuse me, in inappropriate status updates, we get to see it happen and how its effects uh, alter yeah. these characters' lives. And, and this is one of the things that's so freeing for me as a writer and as an actor. I am a very private person. You know this about me. Mm -hmm. A very private person. Um, yet, these characters that I write, and at times, the, the, the folks, obviously, I play on stage, they're out there and it is so freeing for me um, to be able to put some of these, to share some of these feelings that I have, that I hide. Sure. Um, out, out in the world, even the ridiculous, but, but the less ridiculous King, you know, some of the things he says are absolutely some things that I wish I had said to certain people in my life at times. No, it's, I do that. I do that as a director a lot. Um, 
identify, you know, we always have the characters that, that we want to identify with, or we wish we identified with, or that we pretend we identify with. And as I direct shows, the more shows that I do, I find myself fighting that and, and fighting that honesty, fighting for that honesty within myself. Um, and usually the, I think the last show I did, I talked about with the cast as we're getting started, as we do, um, like this is who I wish I identified with the most, or even coming out set because the the show, given its content, it, this this lent itself. Like this is who I identify with, and this and this and this. Yeah. Because it's all a lie. Like much of what he is, this is who I truly identify with. If I have to be honest, and it was very difficult to admit that to a cast, but it also uh, yeah had its its merits and and how the trust process began in that. Yeah, and it, and it's funny. I, I'm I'm thinking about a, a, another play of mine that that is probably the most personal play I've ever I, I've wrote, and I posted about it recently. The end of this play, it's called King of Fires. It's a, about a 13 year old boy. The end of this play is always so. Every time I read it, I cry, and it, it was, always shocks me that I wrote it because it's it's how I wish this relationship with my grandmother and mo mother could have been. Hmm. And, and, and it's, so, it's so fascinating to, to be able to, to see that and, 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 and feel it from these words that I wrote. I envy you in that part, because in, in that way, I just, I, I don't have it in me at present to be a playwright. Um, so I have to find my outlets in other ways. So I do envy you in that. Um, I have, I have two more questions for you if you have a few more minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if, you, if you remember, this is one I, I thought about this morning and I, it's something that I'll incorporate and make sure that I re get out to, to other playwrights as I visit with them beforehand. If you can, do you have a favorite line from this show? Something that stands out? Oh, man. I mean, I, because I am a 12-year-old boy on the inside for as much meat and weight as I love in this show, uh, some of my favorite lines are the poop jokes. Yeah. Because. And, and those, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the, and, it's, and those were all inspired by a single person in my life. <laughs> she was, abs she talked about poop all the time. <laughs> you probably know who I'm talking about. Um, and, and, and crack me up. I, and I love every single one of those. Every single one of those jokes. Yep. Was so, so you know in in next week's uh, chunk in next week's quarter, uh, we he has the line, uh, "Let's get the kitchen packed." Before, King has the line, "Let's get the kitchen packed before dinner." But first, and in the stage directions, King goes into the bathroom, and then Josie and Jock have they they give him a hard time, uh, flip him some shit, as it were, about <laughs> you know, is he going to works about it or what's going to happen? And King walks off. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! And that was one of the few things, because um, I don't, I, I'm, I'm learning to be a sound designer and engineer through this process, but yeah. I was like, I have to do something to establish that this is what he's doing. So uh, yeah. as you listen for that, hopefully that sound comes through and it's clear to you that I went, okay. oh, Dave, you set me up for a poop joke and yep. I have to go with it. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny because it's a completely different thing. You, you know, the, the radio play ethic having to deal, having to put sound effects in there to represent actions mm -hmm. that 
we would see on stage because we would, by that point, we would have established where the bathroom was and that yep. joke then just becomes absolutely an exit joke, right? Yep. Uh, but it's a different world in, in, in the audio only world. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could give you a specific, a specific line. Um, I know there are things that he says a couple of times to, to Alice and, and to Josie both, mm -hmm. because he's, he's dealing with these two different relationships that I, I absolutely crafted specifically. I, I can't remember the words. Sure. Excellent. Uh, and my last question for you, uh, what, are you working on any projects right now that we can keep an eye out for? Yeah. Uh, we, we, we being the audience in general, uh, we being me at Wolverine Theatrics to go, what, what scripts are you going to send me next? <laughs> well, so as a, as a playwright, <laughs> I'm, um, I've been really trying to find my one man show. As you know, I love solo performing mm -hmm. and have worked on, on uh, four different solo shows over the years uh, as a performer. I've been trying to find that, the words, the, the story that I can tell that's, that's my story and, and that's been percolating around. I don't know where it is in terms of time. I'd love to think that, that I'd have a script this year, but I said that last year too. <laughs> um, but that's my obsession right now. Um, I have a, a the, the, I have a completed script that is of the times. It's a Zoom play, absolutely 100% intended to be performed on video conference. And it's another one of those, uh, uh, relationship scripts that I always, well, all scripts are essentially relationship, um, but it, it's called remotely scripts right here. Uh, and, and how convenient um, that was right on top of your desk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and it's, and it's a story about a, a divorced couple. They have to deal with a certain piece of legality and an inheritance. And they end up having a discussion about much more than that, um, obviously, hmm. and discovering some things about themselves and each other that they never knew. And, and it's a really, it's a really interesting script. Um, definitely written from my perspective, from my second divorce. Um, and, uh, uh, but what's interesting is the character I wrote for myself is actually based somewhat, not entirely, on my ex-wife. Hmm. So I'm that level of, of uh, that perspective has been fascinating as I've rehearsed it and uh, really excited to, to see how it transforms onto the screen. Sure. Well, be sure to keep us posted so that uh we here at Wolverine Theatrics can help share that out, you know, when, yeah, that, if, when, when that comes to pass. Um, now you have to remind me, because I think I remember this from our time together. You are uh, the producing director of Moscow Arts Theater 2, correct? Yep. Uh, 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 founding artistic director. Founding artistic Moscow director. Moscow Arts Theater 2. 
T O O. Yep. Uh, and out of Moscow, Idaho. Um, well, thank you so much for visiting with me today, uh, David. I, I greatly appreciate it. It was lovely to see you. It was lovely to hear your voice. Um, and and uh, I will edit this down a little bit, just so you know. I'll probably put this out after all four pieces come together, um, and we get all four of the whole show posted, and then use this as a, a reflection back on. Great. Thanks, Quinn. I appreciate uh, the work you guys have done on this. I hope so.